This is episode 540 of the AWS podcast, released on August 7th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lesher here with you. Great to have you back. I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Rajiv Chowri, who's a principal product manager here at AWS. G'day, Rajiv. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Simon. It's great to be on this podcast. Excited to be talking to you. Yeah, we're going to talk about something really interesting. We're going to observe. We're going to look at different <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so we're going to look at a service called Amazon Open Search and some of the new observability features. But before we get into that, let's start with what is Amazon Open Search. What's it all about? Open Search is our search and analytics suite of software that we offer. Uh, we run a service for it called Amazon Open Search Service, and it really helps customers make good decisions with operational data. So that could be business data, that could be technical data. Uh, if they want to really quickly search and analyze that and make decisions with it, make some recommendations with it, Open Search is for you. So it's pretty general, like it's not like a specific domain-related search. It's kind of a Swiss Army knife of searches. Um, it is. There are there are sort of three primary use cases, if you will. So mm -hmm. the first one is around just like core website search, e-commerce search, et cetera. You, you, you're trying to sell, uh, you have a product catalog. You want to give your customers the options to search on that product catalog. Um, you know, your catalog and the products that you have could be very varied. Different customers could be selling different suite of products. So you want a generic platform to be able to support that. Open Search is fantastic at that. You can categorize all your products in different uh, different dimensions and search on any one of those, summarize the results of your search results uh, in interesting ways for your customers, et cetera. So that's one use case. The second area that works really useful for is for DevOps team to use log data or observability data in general and use that information to troubleshoot their applications, to improve performance and availability. All the capabilities that make it great for like catalog search, like I talked about, it make it also fantastic for searching observability data mm -hmm. and log data. Mm -hmm. And the third use case is actually for SecOps teams, which is security teams, who also in fact use primarily log data or security event data uh, to make good decisions about security threats that they're facing. So those are the three primary use cases we have for open search. Gotcha. And, and and Amazon Open Search, it was previously called Amazon Elasticsearch Service. What what's the deal there? It is. Uh, we changed the name after we forked Elasticsearch into a separate open source project called Open Search. Uh, there was a licensing change on the open source project, and uh, we decided to create a, a new distribution. So Open Search is a fork of Elasticsearch, and with that fork, we and at the time of that fork. We renamed the service from Amazon Elasticsearch Service to Amazon OpenSearch Service. Oh, Amazon OpenSearch Service still continues to offer all the Elasticsearch engines as the search engines for that service. So you can choose, I think, close to 19 different versions of Elasticsearch as the search software engine. Mm -hmm. and, and now we have at least three different versions of OpenSearch as the search software engine as part of the service as well. So customers can choose those as they well when they deploy it. And yeah. still iterate, iterate fast as well in terms of uh, features and capabilities that customers want. Correct, correct. Yeah, we've uh, since the fork, we, we've released at least three major releases of OpenSearch, 1.0, We just announced uh, 1.3, and we just announced a release of OpenSearch 2.0 as well. 
uh, in the last 10 days or so. So we're fast and furious, investing quite a bit <laughs> in uh, innovating on open search. Now, you touched on one of the use cases earlier on, which is a, a word that sort of got a lot of um, traction and, and is, is got a lot of focus in the industry at the moment, which is observability. Mm-hmm. And, and let's define our terms. What is observability and, and, and why are people paying attention to this concept now? It's becoming much more interesting. So it used to go by monitoring software or systems management software 10, 15 years ago, and people who've been in the industry like me long enough sort of know it by those terms at that time. It's, it's observability is becoming really valuable now because applications and systems have become distributed and it's harder to troubleshoot and diagnose problems when they occur in a distributed environment. And so observability as a term is used to describe the tools and the processes customers adopt, which is primarily by, uh, by looking at the input-output characteristics or performance characteristics of the system that you're monitoring to devise really what might be the root cause of the problems that are happening. So that's the reason sort of observability has become so valuable and so important. It's because in the distributed world in, and distributed architecture designs, it's so much harder to troubleshoot applications. They needed a way to kind of show the sophistication of the processes and the tools that are necessary to manage your application environments. And that's that's why observability is, is becoming so important. Gotcha. So that, that correlation piece is, is challenging because as a curmudgeonly old uh, IT person, you know, in the back of my mind is, well, we, we just called it checking the logs. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that's great when you've got, you know, 2, 10, 15, 20 logs. What about when you've got 1,000 logs uh, to look at? That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, so uh, people talk about observability, people classically talk about sort of logs, metrics, and traces as the three pillars of observability, right? And logs are sort of the baseline system. Everybody gets logging. Everybody collects logs. Everybody uses logs to debug their their application environments. But many times, you also want to get insights about resource utilization or performance characteristics of your systems, which is more efficiently collected just as time series data. So rather than Mm -hmm. just outputting it into your log files, why not just have a dedicated system that collects time series metric information? Uh, and it's a much more efficient way to do that. So that's how metrics really make sense. And then tracing is really valuable because you've got the hundreds of logs that you talked about, right? Yeah. So yeah. if hundreds of services, each generating you know, two or three log files each, hundreds of logs coming at you, they're all working in concert to deliver some functionality to your users. How do you know what the dependency graph of all of these services looks like? You know, Who's calling yeah. whom? When yeah. did they call? Invoke each other, et cetera. Tracing gives you that visibility. It really takes a request and sort of traces it end to end, tells you what was going on, and you can use that to complement your log information and then drill into the right logs or look at the right log lines within your log files to find out what might be really important to debug your applications. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is that, that mean time to recovery, that you know, how quick can I identify the problem and then fix it? Uh, that's yeah, right. Step one is find the problem. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What just I, so broke. <laughs> that, that's right. And oftentimes the customers get on these all hands on deck calls, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, and, and, you know, we do it sometimes ourselves where there's a trouble, you know, services having some issue or it's down and we need to sort of get it back up as quickly as possible. And everybody jumps on a call trying to, you know, troubleshoot what might be going on. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it takes a lot of resources. Well, without, without data, there's a lot of speculation too. Like I, I recall being involved in many sort of uh, before Amazon, many enterprise type situations like that. And, and usually the, the way it goes is um, everyone points at the database folks. The database <laughs> folks say everything's okay. Then everyone blames the network. The network guys right. say everything's okay. Then, then we ask which, which developer submitted some new code or made an update. Right. Uh, and then in the end, it's usually just DNS. Correct. <laughs> <That's> kinda... <laughs> and that's what happens. And it just ping-pongs back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and so the industry has has a term for it called MTTR, or mean time to resolution. Uh, and there's, you know, there's mean time to identification, mean time to detection, mean time to resolution sort of encapsulates the entire life cycle of from the time an incident occurred to the time it was resolved. And the fact that all the teams are they don't know where the problem really is. They're pointing mm. fingers at each other. Mm. Uh, it, it's bouncing back between a lot of the teams. It takes a long time to resolve problems. Yeah. So observability's yeah. goal is in many cases to actually reduce MTTR. That's sort of an, uh, one of the core use cases a lot of the customers look for is how do I reduce my MTTR? The other one is, of course, help me, help me optimize my costs, help me reduce my costs. Because observability also gives you visibility into resource utilization, capacity planning, scale out, et cetera. And you can use those insights to also optimize your infrastructure. So there's not, there's, you can, so, so as to minimize waste really and, and yeah, sort of optimize yeah. cost. So given all the cool things we can do, how does Amazon OpenSearch actually make this easier? Um, so OpenSearch service, we've been innovating in the areas of log analytics and trace analytics over the last couple of years quite intensively. And recently you might see, in the most recent releases, we've released some new features for helping analyze logs with features like tailing log files or looking at log, you know, features like log surround that lets you identify an issue and, and look at the surrounding events that might have happened around it. Um, so lots of interesting innovations in the area of log analytics most recently. And then the other, new capability that we added was called for distributed tracing called trace analytics. And distributed tracing really helps you make sense of all the hundreds of log files from the hundreds of different services that you might be collecting that are actually responsible for delivering an application service to your customers. Helps you sort of pinpoint where the problems are. So that correlation between traces and logs becomes so much easier because all happening within open search service within one single system where you can go to one place to kind of like troubleshoot it. So those are the main areas that we've been innovating on is sort of bringing together traces and log data into one system to help you troubleshoot your applications more easily. And the service goes goes even a step further than, than purely that, that aggregation and visualization. It also really uh, focuses on, on, as you mentioned, that, that correlation, that, that detection of things that are either wrong or going wrong. And it's using machine learning and other techniques to do that. Tell us a bit about sort of how it takes it to that next level beyond just, you know, Simon looking at logs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great point. So there's a couple of things to unpack there in what you just mentioned, Simon. So the first one is when we look at trace data, we are able to follow every single request as it goes through your end-to-end -end application environment. And because we have a trace, a distributed trace for every single request, we can use OpenSearch to aggregate and summarize that in very interesting ways. 
So for example, we can say, hey, in your application, there are these five major types of transactions. There's login, there's checkout, there's account lookup, there's money transfer, et cetera, et cetera. And of all the types of traces I saw, they all fall into these five categories or six categories. And we can profile the performance of all the requests or transactions within those categories. So it's sort of a view of your application performance by summarizing or aggregating the information from all of these traces. So that's really, that one is very helpful. Mm-hmm. The second way we, 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 the second place that becomes really interesting is for every trace that we see, we can actually look at the profile of the trace and use identifiers within a trace to navigate to the specific log events that corresponded to it. So when you see, for example, timeouts on a database call, or you see excessive retries when you're making call to a downstream service, you can actually look up the corresponding events in the log file for those databases or those services to, to see what the root cause may have been. Maybe maybe my queue was full and you mm-hmm. know your log mm-hmm. files will capture that, right? Or maybe I had authentication failures and I was, uh, you know, I was doing some retries to sort of get past it, et cetera. So you can sort of validate all of that. So that's the level of insight that you can get to sort of really quickly troubleshoot it. So it helps you sort of really reduce the time to resolution by combining traces and logs uh, in one solution. And really, I guess it means you're spending that time trying to understand and, and bring your own domain knowledge to the problem rather than doing all the heavy lifting of assembling everything. Like it's kind of like you can, it's like reading the book rather than trying to write the book. Correct, correct. And the beauty of it is sort of our customers are able to use it to scale out their production environments much more effectively. So one of the benefits of using Silverability Solutions is that you can be less afraid to make changes Mm. uh, and make updates to your production environment because you know you've got the insights and the visibility to troubleshoot problems as they occur. So oftentimes when you're lacking that visibility, you're very, you're very hesitant to touch a production environment. It's working, it's stable. <laughs> Don't break it. <laughs> Don't break it, right? Exactly. But if you knew, so it was like, it's like driving a car. You know, if you didn't have a brake, you'd go really, yeah, really slow, yeah. right? But yeah. now that you have a brake and you know how you can control the speed as you go along, you're willing to go a little faster. Same thing mm-hmm. happens with observability. Mm-hmm. Now, that cost, you, now that you've got all these observability tools, you know you can resolve issues faster, you're more confident making changes, innovating faster, you know, driving those updates that your customers might need to make your yeah. service better. Yeah. Now you touched also on on cost and, and the fact that you can use these insights to to alter the cost or engineer cost out of the application itself. But mm-hmm. also, what about the cost of the service itself? You know, tell us a bit about how that works and you know, am I paying extra for extra features or do I have to pay up front? How does it all work? Uh, you mean Amazon Open Source Service itself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How does the service itself um, fit so, from a pricing perspective? Yeah, our our pricing model is very straightforward. We pretty much only charge you for the compute and storage used. So all the features that we develop are in open source. So customers can take that open source software and run it themselves, and we encourage that. We love it. So we know we don't kind of license you. We don't. There's no license fee associated for the software or features themselves. We take all of these software and features and we run it on the service and we're really just charging you for the software and compute necessary to offer that as a service for you. 
So it's that real pay-as-you-go, pay-for-what-you-use, and you know, you, you get all, all the bells and whistles are included. That's right, and that's right. And our, and our philosophy and approach is the more features we have, the more attractive it is going to be to use our service, the more data you're going to bring in, uh, and that's how we monetize it. So we, we monetize it by making it more useful for you, more attractive for you to use it going forward. We don't charge you for the features, just for the compute and the storage. Fantastic. Yeah. And what about integration with other AWS solutions and services? Uh, there's quite a few. Um, so we have, you know, it's published in our documentation. We've got integrations with DynamoDB, CloudWatch Logs, uh, Amazon Kinesis, Firehose, etc. These are some of the big ones. Uh, managed services for Kafka is another, another, another key area. And broadly speaking, there's two places where you might want to integrate with with open search or open search service. The first one's on the data collection or data in ingestion side. So data that's streaming in from CloudWatch or Kinesis Firehose or Manitou or Kafka or DynamoDB, for example, uh, or even Redshift, we have integrations to collect the data from there and index it or store it within open search service and to make it searchable and analyzable. The other area is what are the tools that you want to use to search, query, visualize the data? Now, Amazon Open Search Service itself comes with its own visualization tools based on open search dashboards. It also gives you a query API and a whole bunch of clients for you to sort of query the data that's within open search directly. But in addition to that, you can use other tools like QuickSight or Amazon Managed Grafana, for example, uh, or for example, even Power BI and other visualization tools can be integrated to query, search, and analyze the data too. Gotcha, gotcha. And what about customers? Tell us a good customer story. We always love to hear a customer story of how customers use these services. Can you can you give us a for instance? Yeah, my one of my favorite stories is I got so many favorite ones, but one of my favorite ones is with, Air, with Airbnb, and they did a couple of super interesting things on the data collection side. So the, they're you know running a cloud scale search platform for booking experiences, holidays, et cetera, right? And they were running a self-managed cluster for collecting log data and giving teams visibility into that cluster to help debug the production environment and the production services with it. And they decided to adopt Amazon Open Search Service. And the primary reason they did that was they wanted to get out of the business of running and operating infrastructure themselves they wanted to focus on customer innovation, and they'd rather sort of have a vendor that's an expert at that manage that. So that was one. And two, it was a huge cost savings opportunity for them. So the amount of resources that they spend internally in patching, upgrading, scaling out that environment was massive. It was It's much more cost effective in moving to the Amazon Open Search Service. So that was the primary reason they moved to it. As part of their move, one of the things that they ended up doing was they disaggregated their a large monolithic Elasticsearch cluster into many small clusters that they can run on OpenSearch service. As you can imagine, when you're running clusters yourself, it's fairly expensive and burdensome to bring up a cluster, operate it, manage yeah. it, et cetera. Yeah. So, so you know, you want to you're probably trying to make one, you want to do it once and you want to make it really stable, et cetera, and, and be done with it. But when you're on the service, you can script all of this. So they're actually using CloudFormation scripts and the AWS CLIs 
to set up clusters and configure it correctly for all the workloads that they care about. And they went through a almost a philosophy shift. You might have heard about it. They they went from managing the clusters as pets to managing imagining it like cattle. So imagining it like a pet, you're kind of like your one giant cluster, you want to nurse it back to health, you really care about it. When you're managing it like cattle, you know, it's a herd, you can, you know, you can easily cull the herd, you know, add new resources to the herd, and you and they run it that way. So they disaggregated their one giant cluster into many small clusters. Their workload got distributed across these many clusters. They automated the setup and the configuration of these many clusters to the tier, you know, for the individual teams and the individual services. They moved the governance of the data uh, that's going into these clusters into the application teams as well. So the teams could decide, hey, I just need this data around for seven days or 14 days, or no, I need this data around for 30 days or longer, et cetera. Mm, Um, And so they gave the application teams that much more control over that. And this was a dramatic change in sort of how they've operated the service. They lowered the costs considerably. They've uh, reduced the headcount that they devoted to just running infrastructure by almost 3x by moving to the service. And they were able to free up their resources to you know, work on more innovative things for their customers and their business. Which is, which is where you want the focus to be. Correct. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Rajiv, thanks so much for coming on the show and, and telling us all about it. And uh, hopefully uh, our listeners will get into the observability business. Yep. Appreciate it. I'm excited about it. I look forward. I encourage all our customers to come on to our, our service and give it a try. It's super easy to get started. And we'd love to hear from you and love to hear you see what you can do with it. Fantastic. And there'll be links in the show notes to get to it so you can get up and running super quickly. Cool. Thank you, Simon. As ever, we'd love to get your feedback. Adibus Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.